Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Western Conference Finals. We've got the Rockets and the Warriors in the West, and we've got the Cavs and the Celtics in the East. Um, four pretty terrible series. If you look at it, Roz, we had 4-1 in the Rockets series, 4-1 in the Warriors, 4-0 in the Cavs series, and 4-1 with the Celtics and 76ers. Um, what were your thoughts on all the games? Um... I, to be honest, I was definitely surprised about the outcome of the Cavaliers Raptors series. And some may be like, hey, how is that the case? DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry just have never had LeBron's number. I mean, they are still the number one team in the East. So it's pretty ridiculous to me that the number one team in the East just got swept by a clearly struggling Cavs team when you look at the first round matchup against the Pacers. So that was a little bit of a shock to me. I'm really intrigued to see how the Celtics matchup is going to go because just as I thought the 76ers would actually mow through the Celtics, it was really the other way around as they finished the series in five. It was interesting. I, I think what was broken down in that series, at least the Celtics and 76ers series, was that Ben Simmons really cannot shoot the basketball. He struggles anywhere outside of three feet near the rim, and Joel Embiid looked a little sloppy. I think technically he wasn't all there. He was turning the ball over a little bit more than – the 76ers needed him to do in order for them to try to pull off that series. And I think this Celtics team is really showing you that they're ready to make a push. I don't know where LeBron goes in the summer, but Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, these young, talented athletes are really putting this team on their back and pushing it forward. And you can only imagine that this team goes significantly upwards when they add Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward to the mix. So it'll be an interesting series. I don't think the Cavs sweep. I think the Celtics are going to take game one, game two. Um, I think they're going to make this interesting. I think they're going to get people all skeptical about LeBron again. I just think that the Celtics are really a dominant team, missing their best players, which is odd to say. I think Brad Stevens is proving already to be one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Celtics did a fantastic job versus the 76ers. And you look at guys like Simmons and Embiid, um, I mean, the Celtics really just had their number the entire series. And I, I love what you mentioned um, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really stepping up 
in the absence of Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. I mean, if you were going to tell, you know, tell me that this Celtics team would get, I mean, this far in this type of fashion, you know, not only after losing Gordon Hayward, but losing Kyrie Irving for the rest of the year, um, I, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have been the first guy to tell you they were going to make it this far. But, I mean, those guys, along with guys like Al Horford, and then, I mean, how could he not point him out? Terry Rozier, um, unbelievable job by the Celtics and Brad Stevens. Defense, really the name of the game. Um, and I think that's a major reason why they won this series 4-1, and it just wasn't very close um, the entire way. When you look at Cavs, Celtics, I think this is going to be a pretty damn good series. I'm hoping it goes seven games because that's, that's always the most fun is any game seven in almost any sport. But, you know, you look at the ESPN forecast right now, Cavs have a 65% chance to win the series. Celtics are at 35. Um, so, But, but what, what's interesting about what you just looked at is the basketball power index have the Celtics at 72% to win the series. And the basketball index more often than not, has actually been correct in terms of who they pick to come out of that series. I Like you're saying, I'm hoping for a good series. I really think that this Celtics team is going to push uh, LeBron James and this Cavs team because this, te- this Cavs team didn't get any better in that series. Yes, Kevin Love had point or scored in double digits finally, and Kyle or Kyle Korver was able to step up, but they're still that really crappy Cavs team that LeBron has to strap in and put on his back every single night. And this is not a team in the Celtics that's just going to let LeBron dominate in the way he does. And it'll be extra impressive to me to see if LeBron can carry it scoring maybe 40 points a game trying to get past the Celtics team yeah I mean I think one of the keys in this series is going to be how well can Cleveland shoot the ball I mean I know that LeBron um, always demands a lot of attention on the court because I mean he's just so dynamic Um, the way he's able to take the ball to the rack I mean how are guys like Kyle Korver George Hill J.R. Smith um, if they're going to shoot lights out in this series I find it very hard um you know, for the Celtics to win, but I mean, they've got a, they've got a, quite a few playmakers of their own. And I said, you know, their defense, I think, is going to be the key here. And an interesting point you brought up about the basketball power index, because you look at ESPN five thirty eight and the fan panel have all had the Cavs with at least a sixty percent chance of winning, but basketball power index has the Celtics at a seventy two percent chance. So, I think this is going to be a good series. I do not think either of these teams will win the NBA championship, but regardless, uh, we're not there yet, so we're going to have to watch what we've got. And I think, you know, I think this is a great rematch of last year, and even with the Celtics down, they're two arguably best players. Um, you know, th- this could be a, a real coming-out party for guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who, you know, if they were able to take down LeBron, I mean, it'd be a heck of a story. Um, and obviously anything can happen in the NBA championship, but I, I think the two teams on the other side are head and shoulders better than the Cavs and the Celtics. Um, speaking of the Rockets and Warriors, basically played, I think, the exact same series against the Pelicans and the Jazz. Um, Jazz and Pelicans stole one. I remember I was talking last week about, you know, maybe the Jazz were going to make this a little bit of a series, but um, there was not a game within 10 points after that game two win by the Jazz really dominated by Chris Paul and the Houston Rockets. And, you know, speaking of Chris Paul, this is his first conference finals. Um, so we'll see how he comes out of the gate. Uh, not used to winning, that's for sure. Um, I think one of the more disappointing careers when you look at um, in terms of achievement of getting wins, definitely Chris Paul. I mean, the, the guy I think always gets a pass because he's a point guard and um, 
you know, he doesn't get the same attention as a guy like LeBron James or Kevin Durant, but I mean, the guy's never really won anywhere. So interesting that he finds himself in this spot against, which I think is still the best team in the NBA. Still think the Houston Rockets are going to take him down, but um, this is going to be a, a tough matchup for a Houston Rockets team against, I mean, not only the best team in the league, but a team that is playoff tested has shown that they have what it takes to win it all uh, multiple times. So this is going to be tough, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the Rockets in seven. That's interesting. I mean, the Pelican series went the way I felt it was going to go. That's a team that doesn't have enough pieces yet to get past Kevin Durant and the high scoring of Golden State Warriors. But Anthony Davis is just one of those cursed players. He is, without a doubt, arguably one of the top five players in the NBA. And his talent, it's just sad because it's going to go to waste in a place like New Orleans because they'll never have the cap. They'll never have the luxury of drawing in players to come play with him. I mean, they did trade for DeMarcus Cousins, but that wasn't much of a decision. So we'll see where Cousins goes when his free agency number uh, decides to come up. But uh, Warriors expected what I got from them. And I was a little disappointed with the Jazz. I think Donovan Mitchell didn't uh, didn't play as well as he had in the series past. And that defense didn't look as stellar as it had looked all season. But NBA regular season is a bunch of foo-foo when you really look at it and break it down. So the Rockets did what they needed to do. They came in. They are headed to the Western Conference Finals where everyone wanted them to go and where everyone is feeling that they're going to upset the Warriors. I just don't know how you can say they're going to upset the Warriors when you watch this past series. I mean, Steph's back. This is still the same Warriors team that was arguably unbeatable last year, lost one game in the postseason. I don't know. I just... This, to me, seems like a five-game series again. I could be super wrong. Totally fair. Yep. But Harden, and who's shooting? you got to hold yeah. that thought until the next segment because we're going to keep breaking down. NBA Conference Finals. Um, we got baseball. we got golf. we got golf. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and... Rods, you're kind of breaking down, um, talking about the Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors, what we're thinking, James Harden. Um, I'll let you go back to that thought and uh, take us back to the Western Conference. Um, I was just going to bring up some James Harden stats as I had been ripping him coming into the postseason as is. He's shooting barely over 40% from the field. That's not a number you want to see from the guy who's going to take 30 shots a game. I mean, he's playing 35 minutes. He's shoot. He's averaging 28.5 points, which you can't really argue. That's a great stat line. But at the end of the day, you got to look at the rest of this team. As good of a shooting team as they can, they are. It's going to be defensively where they struggle. I think their matchups are going to ultimately run thin. It's really hard to match up with a team like Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, where everybody on that team can dribble, make a move, get to the rim, or shoot a three. I think at this point in Chris Paul's career, I don't think he can keep up with Steph Curry. This is not diminishing Chris Paul as a player currently. I think he's still up there in the echelon of top point guards. I think it's just Steph Curry's first step is quicker. I mean, there's that viral video of Steph breaking Chris Paul down to the ground on a nice little crossover. Um, and that's not an indication of what's going to happen the entire time. I think it's just an indication that Curry is definitely a harder guard than most guards to guard. So how many times can I say guard in one sentence? But it'll be an interesting thing. I said it ends in five. I think they're on their quest to winning another NBA title. But um, we'll see where it goes from uh, from your standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, this is going to be definitely tough for the Rockets. I mean, Steph Curry finally appears to be healthy after missing the Warriors' final 10 regular season games and first five postseason games with a knee injury. Um, and anyway, he looks like he's back to his old self. Scored 28 points and nailed three 
three pointers in 37 minutes in their last game. Um, you know, have five days of rest before game one of the, the West finals. Um, and just a couple quotes from Steph. You know, he says, I feel good, feel confident in what I'm able to do out there. Timing can still get a little better with the ball, things like that. Um, when you start to get excited when I'm out there missing six weeks, still appreciative appreciative of just being out there playing. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's a tough guy to guard. I think as he's shown over his career, blossoming into what might be the best shooter of all time. And I agree with you. A lot, a lot of agreeing with you today, which doesn't usually happen. But this is it's going to be tough for Chris Paul. But um, really showed out in that last game against the Jazz, scored 41 points, tied a postseason career high. Um, and you look at other guys in the Warriors, Kevin Durant has been unstoppable offensively, tallied 17 straight playoff games, scoring 20 or more points, dating back to last season. Um, and you look at just his second season with Golden State, the 2017 NBA Finals MVP, he's moved into 10th place on the Warriors' playoff scoring list, passing Hall of Famer Chris Mullen with 685 points. Interesting fact, Chris Mullen was part of that dream team way back when, about 25 years ago. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is going to be a tough series. I think there's going to be a ton of offense, and you know, the team that you know maybe play a little bit of defense, I think, is going to come out on top. But I expect this to be a, pretty much a dog fight. I, I think James Harden is going to play a little better than he has this entire postseason. I'm just, I'm hoping he doesn't melt down like we've seen in the past because that, that that would just not be fun to watch. Um, we all know that he's basically the heart and soul of this team. I mean, NBA MVP caliber player, but I mean, if he doesn't get it going, I mean, this Houston Rockets team is done. I mean, I, I love guys like Chris Paul and Clint Capella, but James Harden is really the guy that makes this team run. I mean, you look at the Warriors. I mean, I, I think they have a little bit more, a little bit different of a dynamic. I mean, they've got, you know, arguably two of the best players in the league in Durant and Curry, but guys like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, um, Andre Iguodala. I mean, there's there's a reason why they won two out of the last NBA, two out of the last three NBA championships. Um, it's because they're they're the best team in the league. But can I ask you? Can I ask? I've so I've two um, NBA house cleaning or housekeeping questions for you. That I I'm I'm curious about your take on it. So me and you've had similar takes in years past about MVP. So the idea is that Mike Trout is too good to win MVP over and over again because they don't like doing that in Major League Baseball. And the same feeling for me is to be had with LeBron James um, and his performance year in and year out. In fact, where his statistics have arisen three of the last four seasons. So my question to you is, do you, I know as a fan, you get more value watching the postseason and do the regular season but with these mvp awards not coming out till later in the year does the, do you think the postseason has any kind of kind of any pull on who wins the mvp and if you had to say who this postseason mvp would be who would you say between harden and lebron i think there's no question it's lebron right now okay um and i agree with you i don't i don't like how they come out with the award later into the postseason because I think it's strictly a regular season award. I mean, I know okay. that you can make a case for a guy that plays unbelievably well or better than his competition for MVP in the postseason, but it's just not it's not a postseason award and I, you know, I would hate the fact that, you know, that has some bearing on the award. But I mean, we're all human. I mean, we all watch the games and um I think it definitely has to have an effect, but I mean, do you think this is the year Harden gets his first award, I guess? I do think this is the year. I think the Cavs had 
kind of an underwhelming regular season, and I'm not saying that's LeBron's fault. Um, I know that that team. Yeah, is but kinda... where would that team be without LeBron? With no. it, like, so this is almost going back to the before he left Miami again. I think this is one of the worst teams he's ever played for. I mean, I think in that sense, you should even take a look at it. One, his statistics were better, but he played 82 games and carried a team that I think has no business even being in the postseason to this to this part. And take away the playoffs. And whereas James Harden, I think if he leaves the Rockets. I think that's still a postseason team. I don't know. That's it's up to you. Well, I mean, and that's where you know the argument kind of comes down to all these what ifs. I mean, you don't really know. Um, you know, if I could say the same thing, if I put James Harden on this Cavs team, would they have made the playoffs? Uh, I would probably say yes, but obviously, I don't know. I mean, I think overall, LeBron James, best player of this generation by far, um, and I do agree with you on the Mike Trout. The Mike Trout, LeBron James saga, it's just they, they played at such a high level for so long that, you know, it's just you, you sometimes you want to see somebody else or if somebody else plays at a much higher level than they're accustomed to. And I'm not saying James Harden did that this year. I think he was better than he was last year when he was very close to winning the MVP as well. But, um, you know, it, it kind of does, I think, definitely factor into the mind of a voter where you, you got LeBron James who's and been at the top of his game for 15 years um it's kind of hard to different to differentiate when maybe he probably probably is the most valuable player in the league every year but you know stats versus what's actually most valuable i mean i i think that argument is true for you know almost any sport that you look at um i think baseball in particular i think baseball mvp should go by war i mean if you're going to truly look at the most valuable player um just take the pure statistics of, you know, who has the most wins above replacement. I don't really know the metrics in the NBA that well, but I would have to I would have to think that in a war type category, um, you know, LeBron James would be near would be the top in the league. But I don't know. I mean, I mean that's just what you can't always compare. It's not always comparing apples to apples because guys are on different teams with different players. Yeah. Um, and that that's what makes it so hard but that's what makes it interesting is you just got you got to pick one guy and I think James Harden was that guy this year I mean leading the Houston Rockets to the season that they had um you know I would give him the MVP but if you if you told me that LeBron James meant the most to his team out of anybody I I don't think I could ever argue with that I mean the guy's made it seven straight finals um and is just proving again you know why he is making an argument for not only the best player in the league but the best player of all time but I think James Harden takes it this year. But you know what? For the more important argument, a greatest player of all time, if LeBron James happens to win the Eastern Conference Finals and wins another NBA championship on this team, then I, I am all ears for that argument. I will, I will definitely be I more think, interesting. Because you're just watching the ESPN uh, ticker. Like when we were researching right there, everything on ESPN seems to be this whole MJ versus LeBron again. But this year seems to be really highlighting that. I'm not asking a question about that since I went on an absolute rant about it last week. My last closing question, just because you got me interested about the Celtics. The Celtics are definitely a win now team. You would agree, right? Uh, With Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, they're, the idea is win now. Yeah, I mean, but I think they Obviously have a potential this to be good for a while. Okay, and I think they're be. But how much do you think they value the win now? Because you're looking at these players in Rozier, Tatum, and Brown, and their trade stock has to have just like flown. Like it's got to be the top of the NBA in terms of 
Obviously, it's not like a Kawhi. But that leaves my next question. Like, if they're all win We're now. We're going to hold that question till after the break. Perfect. This is the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you missed the show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. We'll be back with a little more talk on the NBA. And we got to cover the MLB Kentucky Derby and some football. We'll be back. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. And we are back, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge, and we were one question away. Had to cut a little short, but Roz, go ahead with that question, and I will give you my best answer. Celtics want to win now. Why don't they trade at least two of those three players for Kawhi Leonard in this market? Why would they let anybody, especially the Cavs, take the opportunity to try to bring Kawhi Leonard to their team where they'd be the best in the league, I believe. Whereas if you add Kawhi to a Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford, that might be an actual opposing team to this Golden State Warriors. I just think that hasn't been mentioned yet, and I just think that could be an option because you have this young talent that can be traded. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit. You know, okay. I think when you look at maybe not the direct, like this year, future, but when you look at guys like Tatum, Brown, um, a guy like Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and Al Horford, who I think could, you know, I think at least have four or five more good years between all of them together. Um, I think, I don't know who's the oldest, but I think it's probably Al Horford. But when you look at a guy, guys like Tatum and Brown, Kyrie, um, I, I think this team could eventually compete down the road against, you know, a Golden State team that is not going to be together forever. Um, I, like, I'm not, I'm not in, big into the contracts. I don't follow how many years they have left and whatnot. But I think this Celtics team is going to be around for a very long time, for at least foreseeable future, the next four or five years, I think they're going to be heavy competition. And you you bring up a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Um, I don't know what I think about him anymore. Um, you know, he, he seemed like the prototypical team guy. He, he seemed like, you know, the next kind of up and coming version of a Tim Duncan, a guy who just didn't really say much, um, didn't really do anything, but just go out there and play. And was one of the best players in the league and, I don't know. That whole situation kind of rubbed me the wrong way with Kawhi Leonard. I don't really know. I know what type of player he is, but I don't know what type of guy he is on a team anymore. And I think, you know, the Cavs might definitely make a move for him. And that, you know, brings the question up, where's LeBron going to go next year? Is he going to stay in Cleveland? My gut instinct says no. He's probably going to leave, but I don't know. I've been wrong many times before, so I'm not going to say that is definitely going to happen. But I think the Celtics would be smart to kind of stick with the team that they have right now because I think 
with the combination of those five guys um, and also Terry Rozier, I think they're a team that can compete with almost anybody. And you know, I think we're gonna get we're gonna get a pretty good taste of the future and what they can do against LeBron in this series. Because I know that LeBron, this is probably one of the um, lesser teams that he's led to the Eastern Conference Finals, but he still is playoff LeBron, um, one of the best playoff guys of all time. So we'll see how this series goes, but I think the Celtics would be pretty foolish, um, you know, to shy away from their two young stars who they've gotten in the last two drafts um, on top of those other guys that we've already talked about. Fair. So let's break down the Derby where I couldn't have been more wrong if wrong was in the dictionary in a different way. Yeah, I was pretty wrong too. I mean, you know, Justify ran a perfect race that's pretty much all I have to say about it. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a very exciting race, but, I mean, Justify went off as a 3-1 to one favorite, um, and he mm-hmm. ran, ran a perfect race. Um, I think, who, who came in? Audible came in third, I think. There was a photo And Good Magic came third. in second. Good Magic came in second. It, you know, it was... It was at least exciting. you got Audible. I know your trifecta didn't hit, but at least you put Audible in your trifecta. Yeah, I had him up there, but... Um, justify you know ran that perfect race and it it was exciting but near the end um i thought audible and good magic might have had a little bit of a chance but justify really showed that he was the best he was the best horse in that race and there was a reason that he went off as a three to one favorite um and now we'll go on to try to compete for the triple crown but there's it wasn't really much wasn't really much to say about that race justify was was perfect and that's, Magnum that's Moon couldn't have finished further down the line. Yeah, Magnum Moon was was not very good. Very um, disappointing. <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting that you know Justify after not racing as a two year old um, ended up bringing home the crown. And uh, you know I love the start of the Kentucky Derby because it's it's one thing in like a ten or twelve horse race, everybody trying to get out of the gate and get into good position. But when there's twenty horses. I mean, six or seven of them out of the gate just don't even have a chance. <laughs> and it was wet. Oh, yeah. It was rainy. Um, still had over 100,000 people there at the Kentucky Derby, so that was exciting. But, you know, the two minutes they were – I've seen better. I've definitely seen better <laughs> Kentucky Derbies. Um, but it was, it was fun. Fun was watching it at a, at a hotel room in Indiana at the uh, the Be Connected uh, Boyd Gaming Casino. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, I just you know Justify took it home and uh, never really liked to bet on favorites, and so I didn't bet on Justify, and so I lost twenty bucks in the race. But you know what are you gonna do? I had fun. I had fun watching. It's a fun two minutes, except for like you said, it could be a little a uh, little more fun. Yeah, definitely it could be a little more fun. But that's about all I had to say about the Kentucky Derby. There's there's not much more. We'll uh, we'll cover the Preakness and the Belmont a little bit as that comes up. Um, I think we have to keep it to the fact that if Justify is going for the Triple Crown, I think we cover Preakness and Belmont, but I feel like horse racing loses its allure if the horse <laughs> doesn't have a shot to win the Triple Crown. Yeah. Like, who pays attention to the Belmont when a horse didn't win first the Preakness and the Kentucky Derby? Uh, not me, but I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, a lot of horse racing fans out there, but I'm definitely not one of those. I mean, I, I love watching for a triple crown and we were lucky that we got it pretty recently um but i do i think justify has a chance i think absolutely um you know if he can run you know the kind of race we just saw in the derby i don't think there's many horses out there that can beat him um 
you know, and, and down the stretch, you know, it seemed like he might have gotten caught from behind, but he really put it into another gear. Um, and that, that that's always fun to watch, a horse that, I mean, he was coming around the turn and just nobody could catch him. Um, nobody could catch that, him. It's just, it's just a great horse. I mean, I don't really have any horse racing terms or any lingo, but it's just a damn good horse. Absolutely. And did you want to cover the players a little bit as we are entering the latter years of the players not being a major tournament? Yes. Interesting that you bring that up. Um, you know, after the first round, which full disclosure, Thursday night, so we've only seen one round. Uh, we've got six players sharing the lead, tying the most after any round at TPC Sawgrass um, since 1982. Uh, tied for first, we had just Dustin Johnson, Webb Simpson, Alex Noren, um, Chesson Hadley, Matt Kuchar, and Patrick Cantlay. And it was it was just ball-striking fiesta. Um, these guys were unbelievable with the irons. And, you know, really fun watching Dustin Johnson. I mean, when he has his game working... There, there's not. I don't think there's really anybody in the world that can beat him, but I think this should be, should be interesting down the stretch. And like you said, um, mm-hmm. one of the last years that this will not be a major, which is also interesting. I, I think it'll uh, will add, or maybe it'll take away from some of the other majors. I think having four is so amazing. And now, what happens to like the career Grand Slam people who aren't a part of it anymore? You know, like does it now like a new career Grand Slam starts the year it becomes a major, or is it like the original four will be the ones that count. I don't know. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I would, I guess, I would like to keep it the original four, um, just because it's been that way for so long. To see it, to see a change like this now, it's, eh, I don't know. I mean, I, the players has always been very fun to watch, um, even with it not being a major. I mean, people always kind of called it the fifth major, and you know, I, I wish we had, we could have Ruban right now to give us a little more insight on mm-hmm. on the golf version of this, but. Um, interesting point about, you know, the career grand slam and how that looks, um, for somebody who does win the players. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and say that I don't really like it. I don't really like the dynamic. Cause now Tiger has else. the pressure to have to get that again, you know, but does he though? I don't know. Like it's now you're in this competition. Like Rory is close to getting it. He needs to win the masters, but Rory has a lot longer in his career. So I would assume pulling off the players is not that hard. And then all of a sudden you got Rory as the only person with a career grand slam. And Tiger, who clearly has been struggling, not as bad as Spieth, who's plus three, who doesn't look like he's going to make the cut, or Phil Mickelson, who's freaking plus seven. But Tiger, like, winning majors doesn't seem to be in his wheelhouse right now. And I just think it's a little it's a little bummer that they could say he didn't finish with a career grand slam, potentially. Well, but in that case, I don't know if anybody will ever get the career grand slam if we're going to if we're going to put the players in there. Um, I don't know. Rory, I mean, he's closest. He is the closest, and he and he might end up being the only guy to do it. But I don't know. I I just I don't (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) The only thing I can say is I just I don't like it. But um, I'm I'm still gonna watch. I love watching all the majors. I mean, never have been an avid golf watcher, but I I will sit down, um, especially on Sunday and watch for as long as the day allows me to watch, um, with all the majors and. You know, summertime's coming up. We're getting some great weather out here in Illinois, which is um, hard to come by. But we're in the 70s today. Um, looks like we're going to get a little rain tomorrow and the next day, but that's okay. We're going to keep up the good weather, keep keep up the good vibes, good golf, good baseball, good horse racing, and some football talk, NHL, NBA. We cover it all 
And this is the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. Um, we'll be back after the break with some talk on, you know it, Major League Baseball. What's up, what's up, everybody? Look at me coming in strong, finishing the last uh, segment, being the, the leadoff man. I got to tell you, so there's a whole thing in the world where you can't compare yourself to God and Jesus Christ. And this is not a religious show, so we're not going to touch that too much. But for those who get a little concerned about those comparing them to Michael Jordan, then you shouldn't listen to this show because I have compared myself to Michael Jordan maybe a thousand times because I am. I believe in my capacity. I am the Michael Jordan of whatever I, I can do. The White and Sox to- Michael Jordan. Uh, I would go as low maybe as Wizards Michael Jordan, but uh, definitely near second return Michael Jordan for the Bulls. Let me let me explain. The last 24 hours has been one of the worst 24-hour stretches of my entire life. I woke up early in the morning, played some basketball early in the a.m., had to go to the emergency room for the first time in my entire basketball career, which has been a long one. Not so much, but has been decently long. I stepped on somebody's ankle and severely sprained my ankle. So I'm limping around. I've got a fucking brace on right now. After that, I learned I got a $100 parking ticket. Continuing on from there, I ended up with the stomach flu. And yes, I am doing the show right now with the stomach flu, one of the most vile stomach flus in the Los Angeles area. It's for some reason upgraded. So Michael might have his flu game, but I'm doing it on three separate injuries, the bank, the foot, and the stomach. I'm here to perform my very best for all of you people. <laughs> mostly Jared Rubin. Yeah, mostly Jared Rubin. Um, shout out Rubes, being the number one listener on the show. And I thought I thought I might have had to call an audible and call Rubes and uh, wake him up um, from sleeping the night just to get him on the show. But you did pull through. You did persevere. Um, but enough about you. We've talked enough about uh, Roz <laughs> for the show. We got some Major League Baseball to talk about and. You know, what a better way to start than bringing up the two best teams in the league right now, New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. And you're always ragging on me for bringing up the power rankings, but I don't think we've gone to the power rankings in about a month. So that is exactly where I'm going to start this <laughs> week. Yankees and Red Sox, one and two right now, two best records in Major League Baseball. Um, these teams are firing on all cylinders. Uh, I was watching the game earlier tonight. Um and it was in a rain delay. I don't know if they ever got back on, but regardless, um, this has been fun watching the Yankees and the Red Sox this year. Guys like Didi, Aaron Judge, Stanton, even Miguel Andujar, um, you know, Glabar Torres getting called up, hitting some walk-off dingers. And then the Red Sox, I mean, Mookie Betts um, on pace for 62 homers. Hanley Ramirez having one of his best hitting seasons, I think, since he was a Marlin. Um these guys have been awesome. And then Chris Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, Drew Pomerantz finally came off the DL. David Price has been playing too much Fortnite. He's got carpal tunnel syndrome, but he looks like he's going to make his schedule start Saturday. It's amazing to me that that's a storyline. It really is. It is kind of funny because um, he admitted that he plays like three hours a day of Fortnite. Um, and the, the article quoted with his teammates and also with random people online. <laughs> so he's um, playing a lot of Fortnite. I don't know if that's you know, correlation or causation for his carpal tunnel syndrome. But, you know, I guess I guess we might find out. If he starts slinging the hell out of the ball again, um, I might have to say that it was the Fortnite that did him in in the first place. But, you know, regardless, uh, I still 
I still don't get Fortnite. I still haven't seen or played any of it. I just know it's the it's, biggest craze in the world, and I know I it's no the biggest craze. And I just, I don't even, I don't understand. I, I feel like I'm one of those old guys who, you know, is looking at, you know, iPhones for the first time, and it's like, what, what, what is this? Or what, what are these kids doing, just walking around with their heads down all day? Like, I know Fortnite is the like the the best thing since sliced bread, but I just have no idea. Um, I have no idea. I don't even know where you play it. If it's like on the computer, or if it's on it's an Xbox. Xbox. It's an Xbox game. I at least know that. Okay, fair. Um, but let's go back to the power rankings because that's just that's my favorite part of breaking down baseball. Um, next couple teams down the line, Arizona Diamondbacks really playing well in the NL West. Um, just took a series from the defending champion Houston Astros, and they're playing great baseball. Um, you know, against the whole league and especially against their division this year, which. Um, it's been, been a little weaker. I mean, you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Rockies, um, who are playing terrible at home, by the way, which is kind of a surprise. Um, you know, the D-backs are really taking it to the rest of the league, and I, I think they're they're a team, they're a dark horse team this year that I think might be able to make a little bit of a postseason run, especially if the Dodgers, you know, keep dragging ass out there like they have. Clayton Kershaw is currently on the DL. Look hey, how's they, that first round pick? It's terrible because I took him in two different leagues. Um, he, he's looking uh, looking to make his next start, so I'm hoping that um, he stays up. Yasiel Puig coming off the DL. And Justin Turner has been taking some swings off the tee, so hopefully when he comes back, they can finally get things going a little bit. But, man, they've been brutal so far. Not fun let me to just, watch. Let they me don't just score. Mention, they don't do shit. Amongst your power rankings – Baseball, we've said it on this show in the past. We've said it just hanging out with friends. Baseball's fluctuation makes it what I think it is as a great sport. Because whereas you could pick the Warriors or the Patriots to win in their respective sports, baseball is all over the board. You've got Atlanta first in the National League East. You've got the Angels at 22 and 14 after being a horrendous team. Cleveland's 18 and 18 in one of the worst divisions in sports. Thank you, Xander, the uh, American League Central. Hold that thought because it's going to be a dogfight. What? I mean, you're going to have a dogfight about the Twins winning five in a row? No, that being that, the most... that division's going to be a dogfight. Ah, dogfight at the bottom. I mean, they shouldn't allow a team hey, in that doesn't get division over. Division winner is division winner. Last time I, I checked. The Indians are bad, Xander. I don't know if you've watched any of the Indians, but I have because of Cody Allen being my relief pitcher. I mean, they're garbage. Yeah, they are garbage. Um, but like you said, in, this, the in this week of a division... I can't believe power rankings have Tigers 24, Royals 27, Sox 28. Not, <laughs> not how I saw it at the beginning of the year. Um, well, the White Sox are terrible. I know we talked a little bit about them last week. Don't even know why we wasted much time, but they're they're just a team that needs to wait, you know, at least another year. Um, you know, they blew a four-run lead in the ninth the other day. Nate Jones just serving up cookies. Um, couldn't get Ronaldo, Ronaldo Lopez his win, but... Um, the Royals, Ian Kennedy also gets gifted a four nothing lead in the first, uh, six, two lead in the second. And he ends up getting, you know, giving up nine runs. Um, he's also <laughs> on my fantasy team. So just a lot of sour apples going on right now in the Wits household. Um, and then, you know, Tigers just put Miggy on the disabled list. So it's, uh, it's not safe for work, this division right now, but it's going to be a little bit of a dogfight. Um, at least you get that out of it. Yeah, at least I, I do get that. Um, but yeah, like the you others, said, Cleveland not playing well. Kind of a shame. No, 
Terrible. And the other central is also a dogfight if you look at it. Everybody within one game, unless you're the Cincinnati Reds who are irrelevant as can be. I mean, the other central is going to be a successful dogfight, I believe. Yeah, I agree the with you. The type Michael Vick likes. <laughs> All right. Let's not go that far. But, <laughs> yeah, we got Pirates, Brewers, Cubbies. Um, and, yeah, you know, the, the Reds are they're, they're atrocious. But I think we all knew that was going to happen. And then, you know, the Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals... You know, Yadier Molina on the DL right now. They'll be without him for a month. But yeah, how about that shot he took? Yeah, that did not look fun. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Halos, fresh off a of 5 and one week. They're hot again. Um, hopefully Otani can keep, you know, bringing the magic home. Um, and then the Nationals, 20 and 18, kind of hanging around. Haven't been really that impressive so far. Really like the Braves. They've won eight ball. of their last ten games, though. Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking at the overall body of work. It hasn't been that impressive. Um, the Atlanta Braves, though, very impressive. Ozzie Albies on pace for 62 doubles. That's a stat. You mark it. He's going to be one of the best players in this league for years to come. Awesome guy. I think he's like 5'8", 175, but all he does is hit dingers. Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, this Braves team, they might be the next in line after the Yankees and the Cubs to be a young rebuilding team that does it all. Roz, you get about 10 seconds left. Sum it up for us. The Mets are the Mets. When you bat out of order, it shows how unprofessional your organization <laughs> is. The Mets are down again. They are as embarrassing to me as a kid who walks through the Hollywood with his pants down. It's just embarrassing. Good luck. Yeah. 11-1 start is a distant memory for the Mets, and Matt Harvey makes his way via the NL Central and the Cincinnati Reds. Maybe he'll pick it up a little bit, but... In the meantime, that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. That was fun. We'll be back next week, everyone. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. libertytalk.fm.